Father, this morning we just come to you in the name of Jesus. Once again, surrender this time into your hands, O Lord. We are your sheep. You are our shepherd. And we are the sheep of your pasture. Father, this morning we pray that you would feed us. Your word says, O Lord, that your sheep hear your voice. And I pray, Father, that every one of us will hear your voice. Your word says in First Peter chapter 2, O Lord, that we like sheep have gone astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. God, even as this morning we, me- we meditate upon your word, I pray, Lord, that you grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and make the word relevant to our lives. Let it bear fruit in our lives, O Lord. Father, anoint us, not only, to, not only to hear, not only to understand, but also, Lord Father, to obey that every yoke, Lord, will be broken under the power of your anointing. Your word says, O oh Lord, the anointing will teach us all things, and therefore we believe and trust in your anointing this morning, that you will teach us all things, what you want us to learn this morning. Commit ourselves into your hands. Father, I pray, Lord, you would bless the ministry of the word. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would grant us attention, attentive ears. Father, come against every spirit of distraction, every spirit of tiredness in the body of Christ this morning. Release ourselves this morning, Lord, so that we'll be able to hear your voice, even through the voice of man. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So this morning, um, the theme that we've been looking looking at in our church for quite some time is boldness. Boldness is what we've been kept on looking at over and over and over and over again. So uh, just titled today's message as "Fear Not, O Son of Abraham." That's my title, son, daughter. Okay, in 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 the in the resurrection, all sons, no daughters. Okay, so. It's a new touch agenda for all of us. Okay. So fear not, oh, son or daughter of Abraham this morning. Yes, because you see, uh, uh, I remember, um, when Jesus is in the, um, on Sabbath day, he's, he's gone to the synagogue and he's sharing this word and this, uh, very old lady who's bowed down with a spirit of infirmity for several years. And then they're all watching Jesus if there's gonna, if he's gonna heal uh, that, that, that lady on the Sabbath day and Jesus is indignant with those people and he says, which of you, you know, having a donkey, etc. And he, and he says, should not I heal this daughter of Abraham whom Satan has born for these, years, so these, these many days. And uh, Jesus says, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And this morning, believe, believe, you see, this is what I was sharing even on Wednesday. When the teaching is there, what is there? The healing of God is there. And wherever there is authentic anointed word, we believe that God's power is there to heal. And whatever you're, you're going through in your mind or in your, in your body is what, in your, even in your spirit, whatever oppression that you're going through, this morning believe, even as you hear the word of God, you will be set free. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1, it says, the wicked flee when no man pers- is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. 
You know, um, um, somebody gave me a clipping. I, I was I was sharing in Gideon some time back, and there was this brother who came from from South Africa. Okay, and uh, he was telling us that he lived among in the safari in the, in the jungles, you know, in South Africa, in a village which was close to the uh, lion safari. Okay, there's a national park close by, and they would often see lions. And uh, he said, you know something, Vijay, uh, brother, that, that, that time he said, but I'll tell you something, we are not scared about the lions. The way we, uh, when the lion comes and attacks us, one of the things that we do is we look straight into its eyes. And then he showed me a video, I didn't, I should have got that video from National Geographic. It's four lean African tribals and a bunch of lions devouring prey. They've, they've killed a wild bull. Now these guys want to go and take off one of the pieces of the animal, okay? Lean guys, a pride of lions, eating on the prey. You know what these guys do? They straight look into the eyes of the lion and they just walk towards it. And you wouldn't believe it, the moment the lions see these guys fearlessly coming towards them, they just scoot off. They run. I mean, it's there on YouTube. You can just possibly look at it sometime if you if you have the time. Okay, just just run away, and these guys go nicely, help themselves with a nice big piece, and just walk away from there. And he said, "You know what? That is what God has given us dominion over all the creation." And he says, "Enemies are roaring land. You can look him into the eyes, and you say, I 'I'm not afraid of you.' You see." That is a privilege that God has given us. But the problem is many of us fear, right? <laughs> Yesterday, a pastor was talking to the pastor's conference. In the pastor's conference, he was saying, you know, one of the tactics of the enemy is only a roaring lion. He can only intimidate. Either he intimidates or he seduces. But our God is a God. What a beautiful example. He says, our God is a God who neither seduces nor does he intimidate. Because sinners were flocking around him. Everybody liked to be around him, you see, that is one of the reasons why, you know, I also check, you know, people should be comfortable <laughs> sitting around me. I should have a good conversation with people, right? And, and and he never intimidated them. Yes, he was absolutely the holiest man walking on planet Earth, ever walked on planet Earth, but sinners flocked. He never intimidated them, neither did he seduce them. It says in Isaiah chapter 52, if I'm right, there was no form or comeliness in him that we should desire him. What an awesome God we have. But you have in the outside worlds, every other God is either a seductress or the one who intimidates. I thought it was a takeaway point for me. Yesterday I was like, wow, God, this is awesome. But our God is not a God like that, right? The only, the enemy is the only person who tries to intimidate and brings us into fear. And that is what, that is what is going to happen in these last days. It says in Luke's gospel chapter 21, verse 25, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts, what? Failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken and God says that everything what that can be shaken will be shaken I'll tell you something and judgment will begin in the house of the Lord by the way 
Even in our lives, everything that we have built our hopes and our expectations on. You see, a wise man built his house upon the rock. How did he do that? He dig deep and the rain came down and the flood came up and you know the story. Right? So, our expectation, that's the reason that is famous on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Okay? So, failing from fear and it's going to happen. I mean, it's one of the tactics of the enemy to cripple us with fear and God's people need not fear. What did I say? Need not fear, but that's a, that's a choice, by the way. That's the reason why I say it's Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And listen to four hours of teaching yesterday. Awesome exposition yesterday. And, and you know, when the, when the, that's how the enemy does, it intimidates and always, always God's people are a minority. Always. Okay. In the first century, they were a minority. Even now they are a minority. I'm talking about authentic God's people. I'm not just saying namesake Christians only. No. If you really, really want to live a godly life, as 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 will say, for all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will, what did I say? Will. I did not say that. Paul said, will be persecuted. There will be persecution. There will be intimidation. And we as God's people have to stand firm. And how do we stand firm? Pray our fears. <laughs> what should we do? Pray our fears. Acts chapter 4. We looked at this. Now Lord, look on their threats. Verse 29. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Believe that, my dear brothers and sisters. Even this week, we experienced that in one brother's life. Signs and wonders, believe. Why? I mean, we should believe it. You know, we live in a very scientific age, and we try to explain off things using all kinds of technology, but with all the technology, Japan could not stand the tsunami. You know that, right? March uh, 2011. I'll never forget that date. Abigail was one and there was a tsunami. Okay. <laughs> no, no connection there, but. Uh, <laughs> okay. So now Lord look onto their threats. What did they ask for? They asked for boldness. They didn't ask for anything else. They asked for what? Boldness. Boldness. You said, Lord, righteous are bold as a lion. Lord, grant us boldness. If you are truly inside of you, in Christ, if there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Jesus grant us boldness. And what did God give? And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And I believe, you know, it should happen in our church too. It'll be awesome, no? I mean, I'm just not talking. Why, why can't we believe that? Like Pastor says, I believe everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and anything is possible. If it has, if it has happened in the first century church, it can happen now also. And that's exactly what happened on February 14th, 2010, if I'm right. 2010? Yeah, February 14, 2010. In our upper room, third Saturday, we had a visitation. But we didn't have mighty rushing wind and uh, shaking and all, but we had a visitation. And then there was so many of us were baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. Okay. These are all 
Kairos movements in our church, okay? <laughs> and who, those who came with expectation, they did not go empty-handed. We knew, we were praying and fasting and God was telling us, I'm going to visit you. You're going to have an upper room, upper room experience on the 14th of February 2010, if I'm right. I'm not sure if any one of you guys were there. Ah, yeah, Sam is there. He's like he's nodding, yeah. And boy, it was awesome. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. What did, what did they ask for boldness and what did God give them? The Holy Spirit. That's the answer. That is the solution. Luke's Gospel chapter 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Believe. And therefore it says, and then verse 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your father, how much more your heavenly father will give him the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Boy, ask this. Ask for an experience of this. There are two baptisms for sure. There's a water baptism and there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is a distinct experience. Need not need not be in the chronological order, baptism and water and baptism of the Holy Spirit. It had never happened that way in the early church. When the Gentiles were first brought into the kingdom of God, they were first baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they were all shocked. Okay. They were given the gift of the Holy Spirit and then they were baptized in water. So believe how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, I remember way back in 2002, 2003, when my mentor in my university, he was a guy who was uh, Pentecostal. And he said, Vijay, ask, ask, never stop asking, never stop believing. And I think seven years later, God gave me the gift. It was awesome. All right. So ask, ask. And he will give it to you. Why? What should, what should you ask for? You should ask for the Holy Spirit and God will, God will give you the Holy Spirit. But what, what, with what intention should we ask? Luke's Gospel chapter 11, he will give you, give us a parable, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves or a friend of mine has come to me on this journey. Is he asking for himself? No, no, he's asking for his friend. And I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me. In bed, I cannot rise and give you. I say to you, though he, he will not rise him and give him because he is his friend. Boy. And because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And therefore, will you, if you ask, will he not give you? Don't ask for yourself. Don't ask, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit so that I can prosper in my workplace. I will get promotion tomorrow. No, 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 no. In fact, the the the, the first uh, rather uh, sign that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit is, you know what? Trouble. What is it? Trouble. Till then, nothing will happen to you. The moment you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, all hell will break loose against you. The day you are baptized in water, all hell will break loose. You know, it's, a, it's something that happens in the spiritual realm. You know, I, I see that happens in most people who come from non-Christian backgrounds. You know, baptism is a very significant time for them. You know, for people from uh, Christian ch- children backgrounds, your parents are so happy that you are getting baptized. Ma, finally. But people who come from non-Christian backgrounds, then Yeshu Namukuna. Okay, fine. You believed in Jesus, fine. But the day you say, tomorrow I'm getting baptized, you see conflict in your homes will start. 
See, it's a spiritual experience. Okay, so ask for the Holy Spirit and He will give you. James chapter 4, that's the reason why it says, you lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your own pleasures, not for our own pleasure, for His pleasure. Therefore, ask. So that is, so the question is, how do we ask? I gave you this answer several times, but once more, the way we ask is by coming to church. Okay. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5. Look at what it says. Therefore he who, everybody read that out, supplies the spirit to work to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law? Answer, no. But by hearing from faith. It is by the hearing from faith that you what? Have the Holy Spirit. It is by the hearing of from faith that the Holy Spirit is given to you. This morning, even as you hear, even as you hear, believe, believe for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. It says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of worship. Luke's Gospel chapter 5 verse 17, I told you, right? So now it happened on a certain day that he, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with them, with him to heal. You see that? There was teaching and there is power to heal. So this morning, believe. Believe that there is power. There is power. I I, I mean, I have to tell it from my own experience. Every time I used to come on a Wednesday, especially frustrated from the laboratory. Okay, if you should do a PhD, okay? It will test you. It will frustrate you. It's like, I pay in the PhD. I pay in the. That will be today, next year, I pay in. Almost. Almost I pay in the next one more year. So it's like it keeps on stretching, stretching, stretching. So you need patience. Okay, and I used to get frustrated. Lord, you wouldn't believe how I used to come to the depressed, frustrated. Some Sanskrit coming out of my mouth, almost. I should be honest, no? And then, word of God, you would, you would experience immediate deliverance. Listen, listen to the word of God by faith and you will experience deliverance in your life. That is the reason why First Corinthians chapter 4, 2 verses 4 and 5 will say, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of what? Spirit and power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, what do we look today? We will look as to how we should overcome our fears. How God enables us, we are looking at it in different different contexts, how God enables us to overcome fears. So we look at scripture only, we look at one example in the old covenant and before we go there, we will read this verse from Romans chapter 15, we know this very well for whatever things were written before, were written for our learning that we through the Patience and the comfort of the scriptures will have what? Hope. See that? The only way we get hope is through the patience and the comfort that scriptures provide. Not the comfort of your friend. No. Not the comfort of your, of your husband. Not the comfort of your workplace. Not the comfort of your, of that, that your bank balance provides you. No, 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 no. It's a comfort that comes from scriptures. That is the reason why we study scriptures and therefore we look at a very, an Old Testament example. Very, very Old Testament example. Very, very Old Testament ka matlab kya hai? Main very, very Old Testament matlab, I'll tell you. The very first time in the Bible God says fear not. You looked at 
no, the principle of first appearance or the law of first appearance. For the very first time in the Bible, when God opens his mouth and says, fear not, is found in Genesis chapter 15. And that's where we are looking at today. Genesis chapter 15, title of today's sermon, Fear not, O son of Abraham. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 15 verses 1 onwards. After these things, what what are these things? We don't know. We will try to see. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid or in other translations, fear not. Abraham, I am your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. For the very first time in the Bible, the word fear not appears here. Okay. And we need to learn a lesson from there. Okay. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me? Seeing I, I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold to me thou hast, uh, and Abraham said, behold to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come, but he that shall come forth out of thine loins, or the or the bowels, shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So let's look at what's happening over here. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. After these things, the Lord said, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and saying what? Do not be afraid or fear not. So I'm going to ask three questions, rather two questions, three questions maybe. What were Abraham's fears? What caused those fears? How God came through so that he could overcome those fears. Three questions, my message is over. Alright? So you know. So one, 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 two, three, and then you'll, so you can see the time. Okay, time ho jara. Okay? What were Abraham's fears? What caused those fears? How God came through so that he, Abraham, could overcome those fears? And by the way, all of us at different levels are fearful of certain things. Okay, now, fear is both a positive uh, uh, emotion and a negative emotion. If you were there yesterday's pastor's conference, please listen to it. There is a positive fear, there's a negative fear. The fear of man brings a snare, okay? But the fear of God, you depart from evil, brings freedom. Okay, so I will not answer them in chronological order. I'm going to start with the second question first. What caused the fears. First, we want to put that in context, right? What were Abraham's fears? What caused those fears? What caused those fears? Let, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, what is? what are these things? So, now, look at this. So, several things happened over here. The very first time the word fear not has come. The phrase fear not has come. When did it come? It's very interesting. The word fear not came after the very first war in the Bible. The first fear not comes after the first war. The very first war, the first war. It's found in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 8 onwards. And the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma and the king of Zeboim and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Sidim against Shedorlo Omer. 
king of Elam, Tidal king of nations, Amraphel king of Shinar, Ariok king of Elassar, four kings against five. So, Chedorlomer was the guy who actually, oh, I mean, he was in charge of the place and these guys rebelled against this Chedorlomer and he's at war with them. He goes, four kings, they're going to battle five kings, that is the king, including the king of Sodom. <clears throat> and where are they going to fight the war? They're going to fight the war, not in the mountains, they're going to, uh, they're going to uh, fight the war in the valley of Sidon, which is essentially Sodom's territory. Okay. It's like uh, India going to Australia and beating them in their own territory. It's the most difficult thing to do. Huh? Those days, when West Indies used to come to India, we used to make what we call as tailor-made pitches. Remember? And because we cannot face space balling and those fellows cannot uh, face spin balling. And the uh, ball used to spin at right angles. Okay. I mean, for those who you follow cricket, all the girls are looking at me like this. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Okay. So, the thing is, beating a team in their hometown in a test match is next to impossible. But this is exactly what is happening over here. Sodom, five kings, actually five kings, there are four rulers. They have come to Sodom's territory and they beat them. Sound. Let's see. Then go on. Now the valley of Sidon was full of asphalt fits. They didn't know their own territory, by the way. <laughs> That's the point here. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took Lord, uh, and then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the provisions and then went their way. They also took Lot. Who is this Lot? A very righteous man, by the way. A righteous man has become a prisoner of war, POW. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who, where? Dwelt where? Uh, righteous man in Sodom. The problem, the point is that. That's the irony. And his goods and departed. Nicely they took him and went. There are two kinds of people over here. The people in Sodom and the people who are going to rescue the people in Sodom. What happened to Sodomites? They were unable to win a war. Got defeated in the very first war in the Bible. It says a righteous man, Lot, became a prisoner of war. Why? Why did a righteous man, Lot, become a prisoner of war? You should understand the spirit behind Sodom. It says in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 onwards. Look at what it says. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had what? Pride. Hmm? Fullness of food. Abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw it. Why were they not able to fight war? Because they were used to a lifestyle of ease. I was listening to somebody, not a a Bible preacher, some secular guy. You know, this is what he said. I made a very interesting graph. Tough times. Make strong men. Tough times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make tough times. And the cycle goes on. I thought it was fantastic. Tough times make 
strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men bring back tough times. That's exactly what is happening to our nation called Israel. 1948, those fellows came back from the Holocaust and they started to build their nation and the whole Middle East declared war. And that that first generation, they were hardened by the Holocaust and they said, not, it's not going to happen in our generation. They fought tooth and nail. In, and you know, remember the 1967 six-day war. In six days, they conquered Jerusalem. They destroyed Egypt. The entire air force was destroyed. They were napalmed, literally. And in six days, they took control of Sinai Peninsula, Jordan, and Lebanon in the north. And there was peace and they maintained it and they struggled every day. You know, we have a scientist from DRDO who used to work in our lab where I used to work. I think he is the most brilliant scientist in India. Roboticist. It was a pleasure working with him. He used to go to Israel some, some uh, once in a while because he was working in DRDO. Uh, so, you know, some, for some conferences he used to go there. And I used to ask him, sir, uh, how do you rate DRDO and uh, the labs in uh, in Israel. You know what he said Vijay? Let me tell you something. Israel, they have to fight every day to survive. Hmm? What is that? Every day they have to fight to survive and because of that survival urge, their technology is the best. The technology is so good and we have tanks called Arjun. It's a white elephant. It's a sitting duck. We have MiG-27, my grandfather was uh, flying MiG-21s and our, our uh, what is that, Arib, Arid, what is his name? Uh, Abhinandan also is driving his great-grandfather's. That is our, our, our Air Force. Because we never fought like the way those, they, our survival doesn't depend upon everyday war, no. For them it depends on everyday war. And you know what happened? Because of that first generation which was fighting war every day, they built a nation which is strong. But you know what is happening now? The next generation don't care. Tough times make strong men. Strong men bring prosperity and everything. But we know what strong men, uh, good times, good times make weak men and weak men bring back tough times. That's exactly what is happening to Israel now. They don't care now. Land for peace. It's okay. As long as we get peace. See. Point is that. See, pressure is important. Okay, let me show you. I'll not go ahead of myself. Genesis chapter 13. How did Lot end up this at this point? He made choices. So Abraham said, in Genesis chapter 13, verse 8, so Abraham said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, and then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left, etc. And the Lot and, and Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. And then Lot, oh boy, you know, the first time the word chose appears in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 6 verse 2. The sons of God saw the daughters of men and chose what? Wives. The first time choice is mentioned is in terms of marriage. Everybody is laughing. It's interesting, no? Even in our country also, everybody is 
Christianity will come out. When they have to marry. Or rather not marry. Whatever. Okay. See, first time. And the second time, choice here. The Lord, then Lord chose for himself. You should have said, you know what? Father Abraham, you choose for me. Sorry. But what about Abraham? He asked God to choose for him. And you know the story. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities and the plains and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Sodom, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. It doesn't matter. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and I will give this land to you. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could count the number of the dust, etc. Arise, walk the land through its length and through its width for I have given it to you. And Abraham moved his tent when the Lord spoke to him and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre which are in Hebron and built an altar there to the Lord. What happens then? Where did, where did Abraham build his tent? In Mamre. Where did Lot build his house? In Sodom. Sodom mein kya hai? Prosperity hai. Let me tell you what is happening. It's a very subtle things. Okay, let me show you certain interesting, interesting. You, you comb through the Bible. Or take a fine tooth comb and comb through the Bible and you'll get some interesting um, lessons. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 14. Then one had escaped after this is after Abraham was, uh, sorry, Lot was captured. Uh, then one had escaped and came and told Abraham the uh, the word coming for the first time. See, there are several firsts over here. What does Hebrew mean? The guy who is from the other side of the river. The guy who does not belong to this world. He is a sojourner and pilgrim. That's a word Hebrew. So are we Hebrews? Yeah, absolutely. Spiritually, yes, speaking. For he dwelt in the terebinth trees of Mamre, the brother of Eshkol, the brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abraham. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 what? Trained servants who were born in his house and went in pursuit of Dan. Now think about this. Why should one guy have 318 trained armed men? Do you say, do you see that Lot had trained armed servants born in his house? No. Why does Abraham have to have 318 trained armed men? Ask yourself this question. Why? I'll come to that very soon. And look at these guys. Four characteristics of these servants are mentioned. They were born in his house. Second, they were trained. Third, they were armed. Fourth, they were fearless. They attacked. Trained, armed soldiers in the house. And you know what? In our church, what we are trying to build? Born in this house. Why? Many of you born again here. Baptized. How many of you baptized in this church? Show me your hands. Raise your hands shamelessly. Come on. Born in this house. You know what we are doing now? uh, Doing now? We are training you. In the word of God. Disciplining you. We are making you armed by the sword of the spirit. And one day, hopefully, you will attack. Hopefully, nay. You have to. There's no choice. Okay. And you know what? Another thing, they were completely under the authority of Abraham. What 
whatever he said, they did. No questions asked. But look at look at the life of it. Now, why should Abraham have trained armed men in his house? So I was trying to understand this. Life of faith, the life of faith, which is the life of Abraham, the life of faith is a constant battle. It's what? It's a constant battle. You know what? Abraham was never called for any easy life. You have so much of wealth, Abraham. You need to have trained people to secure the wealth. In order for you to have peace, I mean, you should be a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker. Listen to the peacemaker, sorry. Peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. In order for you to be the peacekeeper or a maker, you need to have what? Trained, armed men to secure your property. You know, the life of Christ is like that. You fight for the life of Christ and you need to have training in order to secure the ground that you have conquered. For example, let's say you you are struggling with a bad habit. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you fought that battle. After a few years, you have overcome. Now you say, I have got strength. You know what you should do? Not only should you overcome, now you have to guard that freedom. Freedom comes at a big price. That's the reason why it says self-discipline is a... Anybody can finish that statement? Self-discipline is a free man's yoke. That is the reason why it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline, of a sound mind. You need to be able to, uh, to, to hold on to the territory that you have conquered. You see? For example, if you have conquered, let's say, lust, but then you are becoming spiritual pride. <laughs> you fall into a deeper pit. You're lost. You see? The life of faith is a constant battle. Second, it is a life of constant dependence upon God. Third, it's a life where you will always experience the presence of God. And the last one, it's the safest life. Can you, can, what an irony, no? What, no, tell me, who's safe? Lot is safe or Abraham is safe? Okay? No, if Abraham is safe, why should he have trained armed men? He's safe because he has trained armed men and not never had anything in his life. Nothing. No training, no arming, no fighting. Let me tell you something. Dinesh D'Souza, how many of you have heard him? Dinesh D'Souza, one of the conservative speakers in United States. He speaks against the liberals left, right and center. And they hate him. And the Obama administration hated him. They put him in prison also. For some stupid, he gave some funding extra to his friend for a for an election. They put, he put him in prison. Trump came, granted him presidential pardon. Now he is out and he is speaking against the liberals. And in one of the interviews, he was asked this question. He said, boy, you are so outspoken. You are an Indian and you are so outspoken. How come? Are you not scared? You know what he said? The safest space to be is in offense and not in defense. This is the safest place. And he said, he made a statement, he says, the safest place to be is in in battle and not outside battle. Now tell me, tell me about David. Where is the safest place for David? In battle? When the time was for the kings to go to war, what was he doing? Sleeping. Had he, was he, if he was found in the, in the battlefield, would he have fallen in sin? No. 
What? Which was the safe place? <laughs> that is the reason why it says in First First Peter chapter four, it says, "Arm yourself with what." Same way of thinking for whoever has died in the flesh has ceased from sinning. You see, harm yourself. The safest place to be is a is a is a place of battle. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> live or die. If you are die, if you are dead, you, you see all the people who are in persecution. They are not scared. No, they are assured. Today, if I die, I will be in heaven. Other people are struggling with lust. Pornography, uh, this and that. I'm not sure if I die today, will I go to heaven? They're not sure. Now tell me who's safe? People in the persecuted churches or people who are in ease? Now tell me if for us as a church in India, where will we be safe? Will we be safe as a church if we are going through persecution or outside persecution? Ask me. Ask yourself this question. Safe space. And you know what? It is never comfortable. As much as I know, Every time I was called to ask, walk by faith, it always caused inconvenience. Always. Remember after uh, Emmanuel was born, close to university, then the Lord was saying, you have to move to this side of town. Where? Alwal. Where is university? When you come to Alwal, 30 kilometers to university. Lord, what are you asking, Lord? And we did it. And I used to travel every day 60 kilometers up and down. Where I could have happily stayed in the university. And for a researcher, Baba, time is very, very important. He has to spend in the lab. But always, life of faith will always be inconvenient. And you know what? That inconvenient life, life is the safest life. Say that everybody. Inconvenient life, safest life. Everybody say that again. Safest life. Bah, kinta insurance policy? Beautiful insurance policy. If you are inconvenient, then you are safe. If everything is going well with you. You know, somebody said something, no? He said, when there is no change in your life, everything is, you know, predictable. It's like walking in darkness. Because darkness, you don't know shades of darkness, no? Everything is the same. Darkness, sub- Black is always black. Okay, like, you know, we heard several times two different different people saying, well, who is a philosopher? Is a blind man in a dark room searching for a black cat which is not there. The problem is that he finds it. And he gives us an interpretation of how a black cat looks like. For him, everything is the same. So if you are, everything is going normal and everything is predictable in your life, Baba, you are walking in darkness. You understand? And life of faith is always inconvenient. Everybody is shocked. Oh yeah! Predictability in life. Ah, End of the month, I will get this much salary, this much, this much, this much spending on. This is my life, Baba. Insurance may chala jayega, is may chala jayega, children's. If that is your life, Baba, and I am telling you, if you come to a life of faith, every day is a new day. Every day, change. Ask Pastor James, if you have to walk with Pastor James every day, you will know <laughs> what it is to live really by faith. See? See, the life of faith is always inconvenient. And if you are inconvenient, you are safe. And 
inconvenient life is the safest life and I'm telling you something, it is not. Otherwise, it's, you're walking in darkness. You know, it's very interesting, no? We'll come there, we'll come to that. I don't want to go ahead of myself. I'll just come to that point later on. So this is the life of faith, it's a life of battle. It's the life of constant dependence upon God. It's a life where you will experience the presence of God. You will experience the presence of God and it is the safest life to have. The best life now is the life of faith. You got it? So, that's exactly what Deuteronomy chapter 32. See, 318 soldiers go in the night and attack. And they slaughter them. And they and they win the battle. And Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 30 says, look at what it says. Everybody, let us read it together. How could one man chase a thousand or to put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them unless the Lord had given them. They experienced the presence of God and the victories of God. They experienced it first hand because you know why? The life of faith is always a life of minority and it is the safest life and it's that life where you experience the presence of God the most. But the question is, when the Son of Man comes, <laughs> will he find faith? Or do you want ease? It's a total deception in the last days. Life of comfort and ease. I mean, it's an irony of insurance policy. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against insurance policy. Sir, if you die, you will get 60 lakhs. I don't, what the heck? I'm not going to enjoy those 60 lakhs. Somebody else will. You see? Okay, fine. Okay, how to secure my family's future? But, big deal. Kisne dekao? Oh, paisa. So life of faith is always inconvenient. So, then, come to Genesis chapter 15. After these things, what things? After the fight that they had, what came? The word of the Lord came and said, do not be afraid. This is the life of faith. What does the life of faith do? It's a life of pressure. What is it? It is a life of pressure. Pressure cooker situation. You know, you should watch okay, tennis. Okay. US Open man. It's beautiful. I, I know it's 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 a Christian world actually. It's all Christian principle only. In tennis is a Christian sport. I'll tell you why it's a Christian sport. In athletics, according to the Bible, everybody competes. How many get a prize? Ah, one. In tennis also. 2 to the power of 64. Sorry, yeah, 2 raised to the power of 64 people. Uh, 2 raised to the power of 32 people. So 30, round of 32, round of 16, round of 8. Okay, so round of 64. Yeah, round of 64. Uh, round of 64, round of 32, round of 16, round of 8, round of 4, and final. 7 rounds. Okay. And who ultimately so many people compete? How many gets? Who gets the Grand Slam? One. How many if you remember? Last year's runner-up in US Open. Nobody knows the runner-up. Winner takes it all. The difference between the runner-up and you can be one point that, but there, you know, prize, prize money, one goes 3.85 lakh, uh, 3.85 million dollars home. The other guy goes with 1 million dollars. You can see the winner takes it all. And you know what? When you go into the US Open, okay, there's a, in the US Open, there's a, uh, there's a, there's a player's area, okay, just before they come into the stadium. And there's a corridor. 
they walk through the corridor, there's a champion's corridor, and even as they enter into the corridor, they have to pass through a kind of a small gully, and then they have to enter into the court. Again, this is a whole stadium, and there's a wall over here. You know what? On the wall, there's a, there's a, there's a, what is it called? Starts with a P. A plat. Okay, yeah. A plat, which says, you know what it says? Pressure is privilege. I went and looked at it and I said, boy, that's Christian life. If you're not going through pressure, everything is predictable in your life. But if you are going through pressure, you're actually privileged. In other words, the guy says, boy, I have to win, but so much of pressure, I wish it was an easy match. And then he looks at the plat and he says, pressure is a privilege. Then he walks into the stadium. Man, I'm privileged to fight. Look at what it says in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> okay, uninformed. Okay, that's a, a slightly, uh, you know, it's called euphemisms in English. Okay, uh, unif- uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under what? Great pressure. Bah. Great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure, so that we would, so that we despised even of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death upon us, but this happened that we might not rely on our own selves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that we will, that He will continue to deliver us. And then it says in verse uh, 11, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on your on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Life of faith is a life of pressure, but it's only when you go through pressure, you experience and you know that you are vulnerable. So 318 people against four, four armies. Pressure situation. But he wins the battle and comes back. It's like this, no? Just think about this. One man of God gave a very interesting example, but I'm going to paraphrase it to my situation. Emanuela was, I think, uh, eight months old. She was just standing. It's about eight or nine months old. And I used to give her a shower. And uh, the bathroom floor is there. And I make a stand. I pour water on her. I put the shampoo and everything. And that day, I was giving her a bath, and I, now I'm experienced, no? Initially, see, you know, whom do the maximum accidents, the experts or the new people? Experts, yeah, good, good observation. Not the new people. New drivers are careful. Slowly they will drive, they are the safest actually. But experts, not very safe. Because now they are very confident. Now what has happened now? I've become very expert in giving shower. Okay. And I started doing that. And uh, you know, immediately I'll do this now. Do the towel, put the powder, change the diaper. It's become a routine now. And that day, the soap fell on the floor. And Emanuela put her hand on the leg, on the on the soap like that. And she flipped. And her head was coming at at least 40 kmph towards the floor, towards the ground like that. She was like, zoop, 
Okay? And within few, in a, uh, time stopped for me. Okay, so the time, you know, it's like, you know, remember, uh, over the hedge when the, when the squirrel takes the coffee, the, the earth stopped, okay? Time stopped. Literally, earth stopped for me. And you wouldn't believe it. The reflex action of my left, left hand. And she, she fell on my hand like that. She wouldn't know. I didn't tell my wife to. For obvious reasons. Okay. She fell like that. I said, boy. And I was imagining, okay. Now, at that moment, the hand came down and then I started shivering, actually. After that, I was shivering. I said, just put a bag like that and I gave her a shower. She doesn't know. She was a small kid. Gave her a shower, finished the diaper and I was walking down the road back to my office and I was thinking, what would have happened had my hand not reached on time? Everybody is doing this. You know what? I was such an expert, I thought. But for the first time, I felt vulnerable. 318 soldiers. Trained men defeated a vast army. Actually, you know something? The more pressure that you go through, the more vulnerable you feel. Okay. Now let me give you this example, okay? All real life examples only. Okay, if you are sports lover like me, of test cricket, not 2020, not even one day. I care two hoots who wins the one day. Or the 2020. If you are a fan of test cricket and if you have seen, not the recent Ashes match, the Ashes match just before the recent one. Have you seen that? Where Stokes was there till the last day. They were losing. England was losing. And they had to win the match in order to keep the Ashes alive. 100 runs. Last wicket, Stokes was in the other side and he had one, you know, a tail ender, okay, who, ca- who, who cannot make any runs on the other side. Now, 100 runs, one wicket to win. You know something? This guy was batting out of his skin. Every over, he's taking one run and taking the strike and keeping that fellow safe. And he was spanking sixes and fours and he was lock, stock and barrel spanking the ballers left, right and center, okay? And you know what? From 100, 50 runs to win. From 50, 40 runs to win. 30, you know what? If he loses one wicket, he's gone. Now tell me, as the digits were increasing, the pressure decreases or increases? Uh, increases, yeah. No, he is successful, but he also knows that he is very vulnerable. Now when the runs came to single digit, they almost made a goof up. Hearts in their mouth and that fellow, you know, it was almost a run out and the ball slipped from his hand and he made the run. And you know, you know, that taught me a lesson. The more you, the pressure and the more successful you become, the more vulnerable you feel. You're more scared. 
That is the reason why all successful people are the most vulnerable people. You know that? They're scared. Why do you think people like Rafa and Federer don't want to retire? They don't know what to do after their retirement. Their life is tennis. For him, 19th slam was a big tension. I also gave up almost. I said, Baba, my words, my prophesied almost from the pulpit. But it's okay. You understand? See, when you go through pressure, you realize how vulnerable you are. That's exactly Paul is saying. You know what? Abraham's also feeling. Boy. That was luck. I mean, we must be thinking. 318 soldiers, Baba. Kuch to fluk mein ho gaya. First Kings chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Greatest success in Elijah's life. Elijah had done and I mean, Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me Beat ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like the like that one of them, Elijah was afraid <laughs> and ran for his life. Pressure, you see, pressure increased. He flipped. He just popped off. Now that's over. He became vulnerable. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he should die. And look at what he says: I have had enough. How many of you said that? Raise your hands shamelessly. I've had enough, Lord. You know what? That's a point where you are the most vulnerable. Take my life. Lot of sisters, I've had enough, Lord. I, enough of waiting, Hogya Meroko. Take my life or give me a husband. You're all laughing. It's true. And then when the husband goes, Lord, I've had enough, take my husband. See? You see? Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So what is the first fear of Abraham? So, what caused these fears? Now we are coming to the question, what are these fears? First, he felt vulnerable and weak. Pressure, pressure shows us how weak we are and how absolutely dependent upon God's mercies we are even if we don't believe in God. Pressure. Pressure also shows us that we are incapable of living, living up to God's standards. But he had for us. He was, he felt vulnerable and weak. So, what is God, I mean, 
So that's the first fear. Okay, so the second fear. Let's look at another fear. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will thou give me seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed. Second fear. What about my inheritance? What does it mean? I'll tell you. Am I really a child of God? Only if you are a son, you are an heir. Gada. Am I really a child of God? Really? Really, 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 really? Am I really a child of God? Question. How many of you felt that? Really? Am I son of God? Am I? Some of you have this. Am I really a son of God? And that is always the question the enemy comes and attacks when you are at the weakest moment in your life. And when you are the most vulnerable. 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. You know how Satan comes and attacks Jesus? Matthew chapter 4 verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, If ah, you are the son of God. Are you the son of God? Why are you hungry? Purinda? If you are the son of God, where is there no money in your bank? How come famine? Itla? Son of God? How come you are losing jobs like that? Left, right and center? You can't keep your job? If you are the son of God? You are constant in, 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 in need all the time. Why? And you say, am I really the son of God? Matthew chapter 4 verse 5. Again, then the devil took him into the holy city and had, uh, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the, again, you see that? The question is, if you are, are you really a son of God? You are really a son of God? Look at your life. Constant defeat. You cannot overlook the faults of the others, for example. Constant defeat. Constantly depressed. Then another fear. He also said to him, I am the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. And Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Third, the third fear, how can I know? <laughs> that I am, can God give me assurance? Insurance policy they kya? The three fears. You see, I am vulnerable. I am a real son of God. How can I know? Now look at God's answers. Hmm. That's interesting, no? God's answers are always very, very interesting. So we look at several firsts. What is the first time? The first time, fear not appears. Fear not appears in the context of the first war. Huh? Fear not appears in the context of the first war. And there is another first time. You know what is the next first time? God's answer. Let me show you. And I'm going to Underline that. I'm going to highlight it and we'll all read together. The very first time this phrase comes in the Bible. After these things, after these things, the word of the Lord came. That's the first time this phrase, the word of the Lord came, appears in the Bible. So how does God answer your fears? The word of the Lord has to come. (laughs) You see? The word of the Lord has to come. Again, 15.4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. You see? See, let me tell you something. In other words, God's solutions are not outside. Where? 
இதுதான் லெட் மி டெல் யூ ஷோ மி யோர் பைபிள் ஓகே ஐ வில் டெல் யூ த கண்டிஷன் ஆஃப் யுவர் சோல் நோ ராக்கெட் சயின்ஸ் ஐ டோன்ட் அண்டர்ஸ்டாண்ட் பிரதர் ஐ நெவர் ஐ ஆல்சோ டி நாட் அண்டர்ஸ்டாண்ட் பட் ஐ ரெட் how many of you when you were a child asked what is the chemical composition of milk mama that you are giving me did you ask how much of cholesterol is there inside that please tell me if it is not no 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 that is not healthy my both was slim to get me that slim one okay did you say that no you just took it as it came exactly that's exactly what it says in first peter chapter 2 it says as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word of god so that you may grow thereby in other words whether you understand or don't understand read you will understand what does it say i will understand then i read gal <laughs> you read then you will understand a little of all the chapters that you read you possibly will understand one verse maybe that is enough for you that is the word of the lord which came to you that is what we call as the rima word that's the reason why it says man shall what not live by bread alone but by every word that's the word rima which comes a living word the living word has to come yesterday pastor was talking to the pastors conference you know what he said one of the reasons one of the ways we can survive in the last days fearlessly for samuel chapter 3 now the lord and the boy samuel ministered to the lord before eli and the word of the lord was rare in those days and there was no open revelation you know what sustains you when you're going through trouble in your life is a revelation of the character of god who is he to you the lord the word of the lord has to come to you he has to come to you who's he to you that is how he answers boy seek him like that seek him with a passion read the word put your life aside i'm telling you honestly if you read the word the things of the earth will grow strangely dim you will stop talking about nonsense and when you speak to another brother boy it's beautiful this is what i want i'll show you something very interesting a telugu preacher okay so look at this some statements are made if god is silent in our lives there is no way we can overcome our fears no way see if god is not there next to you and he's not speaking to you what assurance do you have i told you right i take a bigel to the bathroom in the night and she goes to the washroom i lock the door from outside and the light and the current goes tadi yeah i'm here that's enough for her the word from her father that is enough to sustain her even if she doesn't see anything you can go to isaiah chapter 50 verse 4 verse 10 later on but you know what it says in the darkness wait on the lord and he will speak to you you can never overcome your fears unless you have a living relationship with word of, with the word of god in other words god of god has to what speak to you god's word has to speak it's not that god is not speaking but are we hearing do we have or in other words do we have revelation <laughs> it's not that god is not speaking but we are not hearing you know see it says in uh, jeremiah chapter 6 my people have what kind of ears 
uncircumcised ears. You know what uncircumcised ears in the Telugu translation? They are not prepared when they come to the house of God. How do you spend your Saturday night will determine how you hear the word of God on Sunday morning. If there is no preparation, we come casually on your own leisure time. There is no reverence for the word of God. You will not hear him. Why should God speak to you? The, the message could be fired up. The message could be anointed, but you will hear nothing. See, it doesn't matter what your education background is. If you can read and do gunintalu and you read your Bible in whatever language, you will understand. Simple. Because people are so lazy in these last days. They cannot, they cannot listen. Yesterday I was listening to Rafa Nadal's coach, no? Tony Nadal. You know what he said? All the people who are the most successful tennis players are above 30. None of the new generation can break into the top top four and win a single Grand Slam. You know why? You know what he says? Because none of the people in the new generation have the tenacity to look at one problem consistently. No, they don't. They are distracted so easily. If we are a distracted generation, with all the technology, we should have been one of the most anointed and uh, enlightened generation, but we are the most stupid. We are skilled, but we are not educated. You know that? What did I say? We are skilled, but we are not educated. You you tell them, you send them to school, skill will give you a living. Education will prepare you for life. And this is education. (laughs) There is no education outside the word of God. You need to understand that. Okay. So how does God answer? God answers first way he sends his word. For the very first time it says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. Wow! That is how he answers your fears. That is how you have assurance if the word of the Lord comes to you. God's God's answers. Ephesians chapter 1, we, yesterday pastor was telling the pastor's conference, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. So, okay? In the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the three what's. The three, the first what. What is the hope of your calling? Do you know the hope of your calling? Many believers don't even know what their calling is. Forget about the hope of the calling. What are the riches of the glory of the inheritance? Second what? Of his inheritance in the saints. And then third, what is his exceedingly greatness, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? The three what's. Do we have that? That is the reason why First Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Consider verse 7. Consider or think on what I say. May the Lord give you what? Understanding in all the things. Think. Meditate upon the word of God. That is the reason why Psalm 1. We know this very well, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. <clears throat> Now think about it. Now I was listening to the great RRK Murthy. What is sin? What is the way of sinners? The path of sinners? You know what he said? Sin means missing the mark. If you don't have a goal in your life, it doesn't matter how good you are. You could be the best, 
most righteous man on planet earth, but if you don't have a name in your life, you're a sinner. Aimless living is sinful life. You don't, you may not be having any bad habits. You may not be beating your wife. You may be the most loving husband, but you don't have a goal in your life. You're a sinner. Sin is what? Missing the mark. You know, every time I was playing basketball that day with this definition of sin in my mind. And they said, shoot, shoot, shoot. Or I said, please don't make me sin. You know why? Because every time I'm shooting, I'm missing the mark. So that day, I've sinned the maximum number of times. That's how it is. I do have the athletic body. My, I might be going to the gym. I, might, I, could, I could be doing all the things to keep my body healthy, but I cannot shoot. What's the whole use of all this? I'm a sinner. See? First part. Everybody's nodding their heads. Isn't it true? See, look at our own lives. Even if we were, if it were not for Christ in our lives, we were not knowing where we were going. That is the reason why it says, God asked Abraham, he asked Hagar, 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 where are you coming from? And where are you going? Where are you coming from? Do you know where you are coming from? Do you know where you are going? If you don't have answers to these questions, my dear brothers, it doesn't matter what kind of a life you are living. It could be a very righteous life, a very good life, a very successful life, but you are a sinner. The word of the Lord has to come to you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but, wow, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law that he meditate day and night. Revelation is God's part. Meditation is my part. So the first answer God gives is what? The word of God comes. Second. Second Second Timothy chapter 1 verse connected to the word of God. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which having been given to us exceedingly what? Great and precious promises. Do you have a promise? Or is promise claim Doubt. If you have doubt, go on. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So first, the word of God has to come to you. That is how you overcome fear. First thing, revelation has to be given. That God is with you. You know when you have revelation, it's such an assurance. My father is there with me, nothing will happen. Safe in the arms of Jesus. Safe in the arms. The second thing he says, look at what he says in the second thing. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 again. Do not be, do not fear Abraham. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. Wow. What does that mean? What does that mean? Psalm 3. How can God be for me? How can God be my shield? Look at Psalm 3. No, Psalm 3 is a psalm when you, everybody knows Absalom has taken over the kingdom and David is fleeing. His own son. Okay? And this is what Psalm 3 says. We know the side. The glory and the lifter of my head. The song. But thou, Lord, are a, what? 
Shield to me. And we sing that song. Sometimes we don't know the context. Look at what it says in Psalm 3. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Now let me tell you, as I said, Christian life is always in a minority. Man, Christians say 2%. authentic Christians Minority or minority in India. Okay, we are the percentage of percentage. Okay, we are a fraction of a fraction. <laughs> okay. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. That's not a problem. I know that. I understand. Lot of people are against me. I, am, I know that I'm always in a minority. But what are they saying? Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. You know what it means? Stop. Look. Think. Okay, let's stop. Many, okay fine, many have increased who are against me. But many are saying something. You know what they're saying? One guy called Shema is there. David is walking past the Kidron Valley. Cursing! You killer of Saul, you murderer! You deserve this! Abishai says, Thandanus, I mean I want to picture that scene, okay, I mean, I want to make a movie, I just want to picture that scene, okay, just, his hand in a sheath and he says, Master, he says, let him go, let him go, God has asked him to curse me, it's okay, it's okay, let him go, I deserve this, after what I have done to Bathsheba, I deserve this, after what I have done to Uriah, I deserve this, I deserve what I am getting. And you know what they're saying? Manchika in the Niko. Manchika in the Manchipani, Manchipani. Idero some wait just in a nice happen nice happened. But look at what he says. I love the next verse. Everybody's saying no help for David in God. If there is no help for David in God, why should he write the psalm? Logical, no? Very simple. The psalm is there, that means there is help. Look at what he says. But you, look at his answer, he says, but you, O Lord, are a what? Shield. You know what he's remembering? Abraham. Every commentator will say, you know what he's remembering? He's remembering Abraham and Abraham, when God was, when Abraham was shivering, when he felt the most vulnerable, when he was going through tremendous pressure, when God came and said, Abraham, I'm your shield. And he says, Lord, you told Abraham, you are his shield. I am going to claim that promise. That promise. The, you know what has happened to him? The word of the Lord. What? Came. Oh Lord, you are a shield to me. What? What are you? You are my glory. And the one who lifts my head. Who are the people who put their head down and walk? Sinners, no? That's exactly what happened to the Pharisee and the tax collector. The tax collector would not even what? Lift his head. His head is down. You know why? Guilt. Condemnation. Sin. And he says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. What faith, man? This is what, what we call as gutsy guilt. Boldness. I cried to the Lord with my voice. We sang that song. 
I love thee, O Lord, thou art my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God and my rock in whom I hide, my shield, my strong tower. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul, etc., etc. Remember not <laughs> the sins of my youth. I love that song. You know, we used to sing that song in old time and they used to forget that singing, remember not. I used to remember, please, let's sing that also. Sorry. Can we shut, confess? Because we have to sing to one another with what? Psalms and hymns. Remember not. Brunda will say, Brother Vijay, let God not remember the sins of my youth. I will also say, Sister, let God not remember the sins of my youth. That is the reason why when the worship team is standing, I said, I want to look into your eyes because I want to sing to you, I want to sing to God. Both. Because you have to sing to one another. It's a conversation. Worship is just not one way. It's both ways. You sing to God and we sing to one another. I wish we had that kind of a fellowship. I cried to the Lord with my voice. And me, and he heard me. What is he saying? You know what God, what David is saying? One man of God puts it beautifully. He says, he says, Lord, David is saying, my throne is not my glory. Second, my moral record is not my glory because I know I failed. My throne is not my glory. My power is not my glory. And third, he says, my achievements and my military conquest is not my glory, Lord. When you look at my resume, what kind of a king? Would you have a kind of king like David? Resume is par excellent. My achievements and my military conquest are not my glory. But you, O Lord, are my glory. And you, O oh Lord, are the lifter of, of my head. Because you know why? I cannot even look to you, Lord. But you know, I remember few years later, you will speak. Another son of David will speak. And you know what he says? This Pharisee, he went home dignified. This, this, this tax collector went home justified. You lifted up his head, but his head will come down. You are my glory. You are my lifter of my head. My dear brothers and sisters, who's your glory? <laughs> who's your glory? Who's your glory? You know what glory means? Kadesh. Kadosh. Which means weight. That's what I said. False balance, false weights are an abomination to the Lord. If you think that your moral record is your glory, it's a false balance. That is the reason why it says in Psalm 3 that you may be justified. Sorry, not Psalm 3, Psalm 15. Psalm 15. That you may be justified when you judge and be right when you speak. You are right, Lord. You are always right. I am always wrong. My throne is not my glory. That's not my weight. My achievements and my military conquests are not my. But you, O oh Lord, my past record of obedience is not my glory. Can you go and say, Lord, all these days I was good. Can you not just forgive this one sin? We get it. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> he never justified. You know what he said? Against you and you only have I sinned. Hmm. John's Gospel chapter 12. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith. Why? For their fear, for the, for, for, for fear they would be put out of synagogue. Yesterday pastor was talking about intimidation. Exactly. They would, they would want, they did never want it to be put out of synagogue. Like you know, many churches, pastor was saying, no, you have uh, one pastor who comes and preaches and after pastor, pastor goes, there is one, there's a room, there is a, one committee. Who stands in the committee? Who sits in the committee? At the head, the head, secretary. Secretary. As Rao Gopal Rao would say. Hmm? 
and he will decide what the pastor has to do. And you know what? They never confessed. You know why? Because they feared. They loved human glory. You know, like somebody was, I think Peter was praying, let us not uh, depend upon the approval of men in worship. He was singing that. I was saying, he's stealing my message, but it's okay. But they loved human praise more than praise from God. That is the reason why in First Samuel chapter 2, this is what God tells Phineas' father, Hophni and Phineas' father does, Eli. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons? In other words, you know what God says? Don't honor any relationship beyond me. Doesn't matter. Your sons more than me by flattering yourselves on the choice parts of the every offering made by my people, Israel. Therefore the Lord... The God of Israel declares, I promise that the members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who, what? Honor me, I will honor. You know how you honor God? You say, Lord, you are my glory. (laughs) You are the lifter of my head. If you don't justify me, it doesn't matter if everybody says I'm a good boy. I'm a good, God is a good boy. That's exactly what I am. So, that is the reason why, you know, he says, I lay down and slept, I woke, the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people who set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the, what bone? Cheekbone. Hmm? Whose pallu? All your accusers pallu. He broke the cheekbone of your accusers. So that they cannot speak. Have you seen people without teeth speaking? Ask them to accuse. They will not because the teeth are gone. Teeth are gone. Praise God. Hallelujah. Second, and Abraham said, Behold, <laughs> to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my hair. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your hair, but he that come forth from your own bowels shall be your heir. Sarah and Abraham. And create the Deshmel. Okay, but that's not what he's saying over here. Okay, let's move on. And he brought him forth abroad. And he said, you know what? Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come, come, come. See the stars. Count. One, two, three, four, five. Not able to. One second, try. Maximum in the count. How many of you tried counting? You already all counted, Amma. Actually, I counted and I bought also for zero rupees. And I said, that is my star. It's real estate, no, in the skies. No problem. No, who says anything? No property documents. Anybody can claim anything. We'll come to that later on. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it for 
righteousness. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 4. What shall we say then? <laughs> of Abraham our forefather according to the flesh discovered in this matter. What did he discover? <laughs> what is, I like the translation. Okay, I think this is the NIV. It, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast but not before God. Nobody can boast before God. You want to boast Abraham? Tera kala chita kono kya? Tera bivi ko kya bola? Sister bola. Both sare Christians I see hain. Who is she? Sister. Very close sister. Chala close in her mirror. For sister and brother. That's what he, that's what happened. Okay. So he said you cannot boast before God. If in fact Abraham was justified by God, something to boast about, but not before God, what does scripture say? Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts in God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to him as righteousness. And what is happening? You know, what is Abraham saying? You know, Lord, nothing in my Hands I bring simply, simply to the cross I cling. Nothing. Nothing. You are my shield. You are my exceedingly great reward. How did he do that? He brought him forth abroad. Look at this. And he asked him to count the stars. What does that mean? It is impossible task. Very simply. Romans chapter 4 gives this very interesting exposition. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God. That means whatever the word of God came to his life, you know what he did? He clung to it. I'm telling you, God might have spoken something into your life. Cling to it. That will be only your defense in the last days. Through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore... <laughs> It was accounted to him for righteousness. You see, one of the things that I've realized over I've over several years as a believer and a few years in the ministry, you know, the success of your Christian life depends upon how you handle condemnation. Condemnation and guilt is the most crippling thing in every believer's life. I'm not talking about conviction. I'm talking about condemnation. And we all know it in different places, right? When we fall, you know what we do? 
we just subvert the gospel. I'll do good. Then I will believe in Jesus. Then he will accept me. You know what God, you know what God says? When you fall, believe in Jesus. He will accept you. And then you do good. What did I say? Believe in Jesus. Then he will accept you. Then you do good. Don't ever suffer. You know what will happen? It's like this, no? Okay, fine. I gave up drinking. After a few years, let's say a few days, now you got so tempted and you took a drink. I wish I did not do it. Okay, let me just give up this drink. Okay, anyways, I started drinking. Let me drink. You know what happens to those fellows? They become worse in their bondage and they never come back to church. I've seen that. I've seen that especially in young people who really have this heart for God. I'm not talking about those people who are not interested. You're not even saved. First of all, if you're saved, this is what will happen to you. If you're saved, oh Lord, let me just get rid of this habit and then I will come to you. And then you will accept me. God says no. (laughs) Cling to me. Every time. Hold on to my word. Every time. Finally. And he said to him. I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of uh, not Egypt. Out of Ur of the Chaldeans. To give you this land to take possession. But Abraham said Lord. How will I know this Lord? (laughs) Right? Finally, how will I know this? How will I have this assurance? I'll tell you how. He says, said to him, take me an ephor, three years old, and she goat, three years old, ram, three years old, it's not ram, it's ram, okay? Ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto them, unto him all these, and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against the other. But the birds of the air, birds he divided not, okay, and we know that, why? And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace, and a burning lamp passed between the pieces. Now let me explain. Today, you make agreements. How do you make agreements? You write 100 rupees bond paper. Two parties will sign. How many of them actually adhere to anything that they wrote? None. You know why? I'll tell you why. People are not very serious about covenants. You know why? They are not very serious about covenants. In those days, when they made an agreement, this is a, they said, okay, these are the terms of the, terms of the covenant. Okay? If either of us breaks any of the terms of the covenant, what happened to these pieces, to these animals should happen to us? Now think about it, no? If uh, people made covenants like that these days, brought a groat, slaughtered it and walked between, are nugani the what happened to the God? How well we'll keep covenants. But nowadays we don't do that. But here exactly what happened. There was a horror. What happened? God said, okay, how do I know Lord that you're going to do this to me? God said, okay, do one thing. Get one ram. Get one she-goat. 
get one turtle dove, get one all these things, divide it. Put it. Gundalo, daradal start manamki. What happened? A horror of deep darkness fell upon him. Abraham was saying, am I supposed to make a covenant with him with all my failures? God said, don't worry, you sleep. I will come. Okay? You know what I'll do? You sleep, I will pass. What does that mean? If any one of you breaks the terms of the covenant, who will be slaughtered? I will be slaughtered. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not with him freely give us all things? Answer? Yes, he will. Why? Because he made a covenant. In other words, if you fail, (laughs) he's still faithful. That is how I know. That I am sure. If it is based upon my obedience, if it is based upon my righteousness, if it is based upon my working out my salvation, it is impossible. You need to understand, this is such a powerful thing about the gospel. We hear it so many times, we just lose it. On the cross, he was told. That's the reason why it's called the new covenant. This is my body which is broken for you. That is the reason why I like the road to Emmaus. Beautiful. We thought this guy was going to deliver us. And then he takes, he tells them the scriptures till they don't understand. Then he takes them, you know what he does? He breaks the bread. And at the breaking of bread they understand. He was broken for me. He became two for me. And if he did that, If we confess, he is faithful and he is also what? Just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And therefore, Romans chapter 4 will say, Now it was not written for his sake alone. Chapter 4 verse 23. That it was imputed him. But also for who? For us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised, who what? Jesus from the dead. The same God who went through those pieces of animals. Who was delivered up for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Luke's Gospel chapter 19. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. How many of you are sinners in the house of God this morning? Praise God. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times. You know what that means? Repentance has happened. It's not going to, it's not dependent upon his salvation, it's not dependent upon his works. It's, it's repentance. Something incredible has happened. A change of heart has happened. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. So do not fear, O son of Abraham. I'll tell you something, very simple. Confess. Don't 
hide from God. You know, we keep on saying that over and over again, but you need that. We need assurance that we are forgiven. We need assurance that He is for us. We need assurance that there is no condemnation, there is no guilt. And if we confess, He is faithful. And today, you will go, go back home with the assurance that you are the Son of God and you will not fear. Can we all stand this morning in the presence of the Lord? Can I, can I ask the worship team to come? Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your what? Parenthood and your loving care. Can we all have the worship team? Please, let's sing that song and let's worship him this evening. Go back home with assurance. Can just in, in, in the quietness of this morning, you know, whatever you have done through this week, confess it openly to the Lord. Don't go back home. See, when you are here in the house of the Lord, you have come to your heavenly father. We have boldness to the throne room of God, to have access to the throne room of God, because we are not coming in our own strength. And this morning, God will send you back home with that assurance. You should believe it. You may not have any feeling in your heart, but that assurance will come if you accept by faith His work on the cross. That he was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We were all like sheep going astray. But today, we can return and come back to the shepherd and the overseer of the souls, of our souls who said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Come back to your shepherd this morning, brothers and sisters, and cry out to him. And say, Lord, you are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. I cried unto the Lord Lord, with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hell. Let's, let's sing that song.
The book of Isaiah says, look unto him, all the nations of the earth, and be saved. Not, don't look at your own righteousness. Don't look at your own obedience. (laughs) Don't look at your own accomplishments. We can say with David this morning, Lord, you are my glory. Lord, you are the lifter of of my head. Lord, if you don't lift my head, Lord, it doesn't matter if anybody else lifts my head. I will still walk in shame and guilt and condemnation. This morning, just come back to him, brothers and sisters. Just take away every root of bitterness in your heart. If you are a son of Abraham or a daughter of Abraham, neighbor to your left, to your right, to your side and to around you, they're all sons and daughters of Abraham. And if they're all sons and daughters of Abraham, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Why should we have anything against anyone this morning why can't we from our heart forgive even as God and Christ Jesus forgave our sin why can't we be like the sons of our father who love their enemies who will hold nothing against those who despitefully used you or called all you called you all kinds of names. But even as our Father in heaven is perfect in his love, because perfect love casts out all fear, can't we just extend forgiveness to our brothers and sisters? Father, this morning I pray, Lord, for a fresh baptism of forgiveness in your house. That we will experience in a fresh, new way. Today, Father, salvation will come into our houses. Because we are your sons. Lord, if we are heirs, then we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And if joint heirs, if we suffer with him, we will also be glorified together with him. But Lord, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. All the outward sufferings that we are going through that will cause us to make feel make us feel vulnerable is working in us an eternal weight of glory. Father, I pray, Father, this morning, I pray, Lord, none of us your children will go back to our homes with condemnation and with guilt. For there is no, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Today, now Lord, now is the time. Now is the acceptable time. Not tomorrow. Not after church. But now. 
The word says, O Lord, those who call on the name of God will be saved. And I pray, Father, that your children will cry out this morning. Let faith arise in the hearts of your children. Let them cry out to you. We thank you, Father, for, a, for an awesome privilege, O Lord, that we of all the people of this earth, we can walk without condemnation, without fear, without guilt, with our heads held high. Because you are our glory and our lifter, of, lifter up of our head. Thank you, Father. Commit each one of us into your hands. I pray, Father, that we will walk without condemnation, without guilt through this week. And if ever and whenever we fall, Father, we will come back to you. We will confess. We will not wallow in self-pity and in, and in, and in deception. But we will be bold to come back to our Heavenly Father, confessing our sins and repenting. And even as we do that, let the Son of Righteousness, Father, raise over our lives with healing under His wings. Father, because you said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my right hand. Whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? And if we walk in the light, as you are in the light, we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Thank you, Father, for your promises. Enable us to experience that this morning in a fresh way. Commit your children into your hands. Let us walk in forgiveness. Let us walk without condemnation all the days of our life. Thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.